We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials. A conversation about being young, in love, and navigating life one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to it. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 78 of Married Millennials. We hope all of you enjoyed your weekend. For those of you who are not subscribed to our newsletter, make sure you guys get that done. We just sent out our September newsletter, and yes, you're like, isn't it October? Yes, it is October, <laughs> but we were waiting. It was still in September when we sent it, though. Correct. It was the end of, yeah. end of September, and the reason why we waited so long is because I wanted to announce my credit card course with the September newsletter. However, yeah. I ran into some speed A bumps snafu. that I had to push the credit card the credit card course back just a little bit. Right. It is coming out this month. It is going to be out very, very, very soon. That's yeah. all I'm going to give you guys. It's coming out soon. <laughs> very, very, very soon. Very soon. <laughs> but it is coming out in October. Right. So I was sitting on the September newsletter for a while. But you guys are probably like, I don't even know that you guys had a newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go make sure you subscribe. We you tweeted out a link. We put a Facebook link up on our Facebook page. So make sure you guys get that done. Stay up to date on all the fun things that are happening with Love Jays. Yeah. Granted, if you listen to our podcast weekly, you're pretty much up to date what's yeah. happening with us. But it's still... We a have little some more other fun. nuggets in there. Yes, we do. Because sometimes we forget to mention things or we'll do something. There are different updates. There are different updates. So make sure you guys get that done. Yeah. And on top of getting that done, make sure you also write us a review on iTunes. You guys are being real stubborn. Yes. Being real stubborn. I keep asking every single week, and I'm not seeing more reviews written. Well, yes, I'm talking is, to y'all. The, the benefit of reviews is this. When you review our show, iTunes sees, hey, there are people that listen to this, even though they know based off of downloads, but they're not paying attention. <laughs> they pay attention to reviews, right? Like when a movie is released, what do you do? You go look at the reviews. The critics. It was good, right? When yeah. you look for a restaurant, what do you do? You go right. to Yelp. How right. many reviews? How many stars right. they have? So for those of you who are, especially those of you who are avid listeners, you, you must like it, right? You like us. You listen to us every week. Review our show. And even if it's just you want to give it a couple stars and say, great show, or okay show, or like, eh, just say <laughs> Something. <laughs> yeah. But we need, something. Like, we need yeah. y'all. We don't ask for much. We yeah. really don't ask for much. At least we don't think we ask for much. I mean, we do ask you to listen to the show every single week. Right. So we do demand at least 45 minutes or an hour a week <laughs> of, of you. But on top yes. of that, we don't ask for much. So if you could be so kind enough to head over to iTunes and make sure you drop a review yeah. in there. Okay, my, my promos right. are over. Usually I don't I wait to the end for the promos, but right. maybe that's why y'all missing it because right. I'm saying it at the end. Right, they tune out. They're like, okay, They're the like, content's oh, here over. comes the music. Yeah, the show dun, is over. Dun, no. Dun, dun, so I'm about to come in with a little reverse. Actually, I do do that on some podcasts that I listen to at the – because I know the episode's ending and they're going to do their usual wrap-up. So you so I, tune yeah. off. Yeah. So no. So I'm, I'm starting to bring all the new information yeah. that we say at the end. Top I'm going to bring it show. to the front of the show. Yeah. So Speaking y'all have of, to listen. We have an article with Blavity that we, what was that? Was that last week that it released? Yes, it yes, released last week. week. We shared yeah. it on our social media platforms, put it out on Instagram a few days ago. And basically we sat down with them and was talking about how we balance a healthy relationship as husband and wife, mm-hmm. but also as business partners. It was yeah. probably our most in-depth article that we've had. A, it was a nice written to be piece. interviewed. Yes. Correct. It's a written interview, which is nice. I think that's the first time we've had one of those. Yeah, it's always been the two of us just sitting down and talking, whether it's on camera or a podcast or on the panel. Have we had a joint? Oh, we did have a joint interview, but that was on TV. We haven't had a joint podcast interview yet. I would like to do that. Yeah, I I actually am looking forward to 
the, getting the opportunity to sit down with other hosts and other creators yeah. and tell our story because we're telling. I mean, we are telling our story weekly, but it's it's a little different. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different flavor, if yeah. you will. It's fun being to talk, be able to talk about yourself with other people. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> and that'll the thing. say that arrogantly, right? Because when you have guests, you can't insert too much of yourself because you need to let your guests. It's talk. about them. Yes, yes, but sometimes they touch on things where I'm like, I really, really want to be a part of this conversation <laughs> in a different way. But the show would be three hours long if we did that. So, but check that out. Article Blavity. It's on our social media pages: Facebook, Instagram. It's also on Blavity's Twitter, Facebook Twitter, page yeah, as well. Uh, Blavity and Blavity site. So, check us on the it is officially October, which means I will be watching Hocus Pocus sometime soon. It is one of my favorite Halloween movies. That and Halloween Town. I'm a Disney kid, if you could not tell. But it is also Mental Health Awareness Week, October 1st through 7th. I wanted to really just dive into mental health awareness. It's a, it's a topic that I don't think gets enough love, if you will. And I don't think it has enough understanding. I don't think we know that people that we see and talk to every day have or could be struggling with a mental condition. And yeah, I just kind of wanted to bring the discussion to the forefront. So I have a personal attachment to mental health because it's something that I have struggled with since I was 14. And just a tidbit for you, half of all mental health conditions begin at the age of 14, which kind of blew my mind because, <laughs> I, I mean, spot on, spot on. Uh, the first time I had a panic attack, I was in a dance class and I had her <laughs> bronchitis was going around the studio. So I'm dancing. And all of a sudden, I, this is just my real life. All, I feel like all the things that I, they're just, they have a wildly embarrassing side to them. Uh, one day, I'll tell you guys my testimony on how I knew God was real. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's funny. Anyway, so I'm, I'm dancing in this class. And all of a sudden, I just felt this immense pressure in my chest. And I was like, oh my God, I think I just got bronchitis. I really thought. So you mistaked I a panic it, attack for bronchitis. I thought it was like a sudden onset bronchitis. The smoke got me. Yeah, honestly. And so I'm dancing and marking it on the side. People were dancing. Marking but it means like, you know, you're not doing it full out. You're just kind of going over the choreography on the side. And Walk other through. people are. Sure, yes. And other people <laughs> are, you know, going all out in the middle of the dance floor. I was on the side. So. I was like, and now I, I, all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. I was like, <gasps> and I was like, oh, I have bronchitis. Like, it really, it is strong. So I went to the bathroom because at this point I started to get scared. And I kind of just ran. And then I started crying. I, I didn't even really know I was crying. Ran to the bathroom. And my mom's friend happened to see me running into the bathroom. And so she was kind of right behind me. And I just I didn't collapse, but you know one of those where you put your back against the wall and just slide down? So I collapsed in that way. I didn't pass out, but I, you know, did because I couldn't really hold myself upright anymore. I couldn't breathe. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't, you know, I did I, I don't, no, I didn't know. And at this point, I'm scared because I'm realizing I can't <laughs> breathe. I could not breathe. And I, 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 I don't know if I thought maybe asthma, but I, I knew at this point, okay, this is not just a sudden sickness. And it's really scary. It's scary when you don't know what anxiety is. You don't know what a panic attack is. And you just are sitting at your dance studio and you 
can't breathe for no reason. It feels like a 50-pound weight's on your chest. You're 14 years old. You were just trying to dance. And I remember she got me a bag, and she was – I don't know where this paper bag came from. She left and came back <laughs> real quick, and she was stroking my back and telling me to breathe in and out. And she was instructing me on, on how to breathe, and, and it worked. You know, I, I calmed down. And I went back to class. Like <laughs> that is that's what happened. I didn't talk about it, and I want to say after may, maybe my mom said something about it because, of course, my mom's friend told her, and the details are hazy. But I also want to note that during this time, my parents had separated for the first time. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you know the reason or the cause? So my parents had separated for the first time, and and they would go on to do so a, um, a couple times throughout. Um, my teenage years, and I think that I didn't know how to emotionally express myself because I used to. Well, that first separation I didn't see coming. I came home one day, and they're like, "Hey, you know, Dad's gonna he's gonna go somewhere else for a little bit." And and I was, I think I took it well. You know, they were very emotional about it. And my parents were always very, they were very good with checking with me to seeing if I was okay. And what I learned later in life is that I process things logically first and my emotion comes later. So most of my emotional responses are severely delayed. Like I can cry about, I remember going to a funeral um, of a friend's family member who had passed away. And, I mean, pretty stoic. And, I mean, months later, I was watching on te- uh, something on television, and it was a, a funeral, and it hit me that this person had passed. Months. Months. So, you know, I, I'm just a little slower. I'm better now, but I was slower then to process emotion. So what happens is when you have pent-up emotion, you don't deal with it. You're, it's not that it goes away it's like oh you're not going to deal with me okay i'll just go away that's that's not how <laughs> that's not how anything how in life, life works, works. no Correct. yeah literally nothing in life works nothing. that way um except for just like i don't know maybe annoying person will go away if you let them be so i continued to have panic attacks after that and they were on varying scale sometimes they were really bad sometimes not i never had that this, I won't say the severity because I've had pretty severe panic attacks, but just I, I'll never forget the way that one felt because it was the weight and like almost like a choking feeling. And then from then on, I used to feel I knew when a panic attack was coming because it would feel like needles. I would describe it as needles on my chest and it would be pinpricks and it would be like how you know how a, a limb falls asleep. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's that like it, and it those little pine yeah, tingly like, feelings, and then it's like, oh, it's asleep, and that's what a panic attack started feeling like for me is like, and uh, you know, you can't breathe. So, so that was my introduction to you know a, a mental health condition, which was anxiety. And I remember going to the doctor. She taught me a pressure point because we didn't know if maybe I had asthma all of a sudden or because it wasn't something that was talked about. And it was kind of like, what, were you, what are you stressed about as a 14-year-old? What is so serious? Did you categorize you having a panic attack at 14 as I have a mental health disorder? Or did your parents Heck say no. that or what was no. your... It was more like, oh, sometimes joy gets overwhelmed. Gotcha. And that was it. Like, joy takes things too seriously. You need to relax. And that was kind of it. You just need to chill out. 
And I, but other than that, there were no tools. And it's not that my parents would not have helped me. They just didn't know how. This, this information wasn't as readily available as it is now. I would probably disagree. With well, that. I mean, I would say in a black household, right. people don't want to specifically black folks don't want to diagnose anything as mental health because right. mental health is such a taboo topic right. in the black household. And as we've said before, sex, money, religion, and add mental health to that. Those are the four <laughs> right. things that you just don't really talk about. And right. if you were to go and, and say to your parents, like, oh, I think I'm, I need to go see a therapist or I'm having a mental health condition, they're going to say, A, you need to pray about it, or right. B, you just need to calm down, relax, and then once right. it subsides, go back to living. So I wouldn't argue that the information was not there. I just feel that most black families aren't willing to name it and right. as I've said in previous episode not related to this topic but you can't change or improve something that you don't diagnose or identify right. it's not possible to heal something that you refuse to identify to call attention to to treat you, you can't right I think I knew what I was feeling was emotional emotionally based once I got past the the being scared <laughs> because it's really strange for your body to turn on you, for you to not acknowledge that you're feeling certain things or think that you're above an emotion and for your body to just reject like, it completely. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, completely reject it. So I, I continued with the panic attacks. I remember one time my mom was yelling. At, I, I mean, I don't remember what I did. I, I mean, I deserved it. I was getting disciplined <laughs> like a normal person. And I was sitting on the bathroom counter and she was kind of in my face, like, na 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 And my vision just blacked out. I mean, I saw nothing. Nothing. It was, you know, like going blind temporarily. And then I just fell forward. And she caught me. And that was another, it was like a micro panic attack. But it's just, it's when you feel intense emotion, and you never, ever, ever release it. I want you to try <laughs> to feel all your emotions that you feel in any given week and just hold it all inside, <laughs> all of it. Don't express any of it, <laughs> none of it. And as far as anyone is concerned, you You're are fine. always in a good mood. Gotcha. And I think that also, because my name was Joy, so I think I felt, and I had, you know, my brother was a bit of a knucklehead. I won't put his business on blast, but you know, he was not, he was not doing right. My parents were going through their separation. I, and I felt like everyone always told me how proud they were of me. So I didn't feel like I had room to be imperfect. And that wasn't because of any expectation that people put on me. It's an expect, expectation I put on myself. I felt like everyone else is messing up and everyone else is having a hard time. So the least I can do is be perfect, <laughs> which is insane. Uh, and, and that is ultimately why I had issues. So I went through high school with those issues, enter college, and I believe that that's probably when this depression set in. Anxiety for sure in, in, in high school. And I would have to tell all my roommates <laughs> that, hey, sometimes I have these panic attacks, but don't, don't ask me what's wrong. Because that was another thing. If I was having a panic attack and people paid attention, go, what's wrong? Are you okay? What? You know, I would just, because <gasps> I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know how to fix it. So don't ask me. Because <laughs> it Well, makes I, it worse. I mean, I remember the first time we were hanging out and you had a panic attack. And I had never been around someone who was suffering a panic attack. And as someone who 
hadn't had any experience or personal experience dealing with, with mental health in my own capacity, I didn't know what to do. So we're sitting here hanging out, and then Joy just runs to the bathroom. She's locking the door, turns on the water, and you, know, you hear commotion. And I'm like, you know, is everything okay? And she's not saying anything. And then you just hear these deep panics, but she has the door locked. And, you know, here you are sitting outside of a bedroom, out of the, the bathroom door, and hearing, you know, the person that you care for is on the other side, deeply breathing. You don't know what the hell to do. And I was like, okay, so you have to help me. And this was, Joy didn't preface me before with anything. So I just, I didn't I never know. Told you, you never told me that you had panic attack. <laughs> so it was like, so the first time I was like, I don't, what do you do? So I'm banging on the door. I open the door, open the door, open the door. And she's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, what do you, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So I, I just, I remember it was probably about five minutes or so. And then I was pissed off because I didn't know what to do. And then I just felt like if this is something that you knew about, I wish you would have told me so I knew how to react. So then when you have future panic attacks, I would just let her go. And then I think if it took about 10 minutes or so and she was still in you know, having the attack, I would go knock on the door and say, you know, can you let me in and then try to help in that process. But I remember the first time I was like, I don't know what the hell to do. Right. They're they're uh, I they're very uncomfortable to witness too. I I would I the the most I've ever been calmed down was that first one, and I think because I was in a space where I didn't know what to do, and somebody was able to tell me breathe. That was your only assignment, just to breathe, and that's that's all you have to do. And now I don't. I haven't had. Well, I don't know. We'll get to that. <laughs> So you've had many panic attacks and I am not aware of? Well, I don't know because I think that the thing with mental conditions is that they tend to morph, right? So the way that it has happened doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be the way that it will happen. I got so you. anytime that I've experienced back into depression, and again, I'm sorry if this sounds a little scattered. We're just having... I just wanted to open up to you guys a little bit. And again, if anyone has any questions for me, I am always here to listen, here to help to the best of my ability or point you in the direction of the nearest therapist because I am just team therapy. But in college, I remember the depression settling in and not knowing it was depression. I just thought... My oh, I just have a darker personality. I'm very morbid, and and I still do have a very morbid sense of humor. Let's be honest. Yes. But 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 I just remember thinking, this is how I am. I didn't get excited about anything. I did want to sleep all the time, even though I really do love my naps. I've always loved naps. <laughs> uh, but there just there are there are times when it's normal, and then times when it's a problem, right? And when you're doing something excessively, I had no motivation to do things. I didn't want to see a lot of people most of the time. I wanted to see Justin often, but and also I'm pretty introverted, so again, it's a balance, right? But I I looked back now, knowing what I know in my journals, and I mean it's just textbook depression, just you know not knowing what you're doing, obviously. I didn't really have an eating problem. I will say that. I, I didn't have an eating problem because I know a lot of people either overeat or undereat. But it, I, for me, I think it was sleep. I just was sleeping a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> if I wasn't in class, I was sleeping. Or sometimes I would sleep through class, which really isn't a good excuse as to why I missed class. Why did you miss class? I was sleeping. And you you have a college schedule. You can you can find an hour and a half to get up and go to class and then take a nap after or whatever. So um, 
I, I wish that I could. Well, I don't want you. Nobody needs to go down that rabbit hole. I was going to say, I wish I could read my journals to you, but it's, it's a lot. So my breakthrough really came when I was an adult. I had another bout of depression. And so this time, depression and anxiety were just hand in hand. I was just living in it. Again, it was like, this is just my personality. Having an ex- existential crisis every other day, which I think is just part of being in your 20s anyway. Uh, but it was heightened by my mental conditions. And someone sat me down and said, you know, I was functionally depressed for 20 years. And it was the first time somebody had assigned depression to me. And it was kind of a light bulb, like, oh. Was this just a friend of yours? No, this was a mentor of mine. Okay. Yes. And it was kind of like, oh, one, thank you for noticing (laughs) that maybe this isn't normal. Maybe this person is going through something. I used to go up to, this is just, and it's awful, but this is the truth. I used to go up to the roof of the building that I worked for, and I would just stare out the window and say, maybe I should just jump. Maybe I should just jump and this would all be over. I wouldn't be in pain anymore because I think that's what people don't understand about depression is that you are in constant pain. And if you're not showing it, you're basically just masking it. The way I used to describe depression and anxiety was that, uh, you know, you're looking straight ahead and sometimes the black smog is in your periphery and then sometimes it's all you can see, but it's always there. And that is how I was existing for years. I mean, years and years and years. And again, you know, I never, ever, ever truly wanted to kill myself. I was just hurting. I think that's what we don't know about depression is that people are in constant emotional turmoil. (laughs) That's what it feels like. It's just, it's very painful. So when this person said to me, I was functionally depressed for years, I think you may be experiencing depression. It was a light bulb moment for me. So from then on, I dove in. I I did all the research. I'm like, oh my God, there is this community of people that are experiencing the same thing that I am experiencing. And it was just so freeing. I, another thing that happened, uh, another physical manifestation of this, I believe, was anxiety. I was sitting at my desk breathing like a regular person and my rib popped out literal just and I'm going (gasps) and I didn't know again what was happening had to go I went to the chiropractor the day after and she said you must have a high pain tolerance and I said why what's going on can you see it she said your rib popped out and this wasn't I wasn't doing anything I wasn't doing any heavy left lifting nothing I, it was just, I was just highly stressed, highly anxious, and I was existing in the space for years. So after I'm experiencing all these ailments, I start being open about depression. My parents actually decided to get a divorce, and I had a very difficult time dealing with that. And a friend of mine recommended therapy. I was like, I mean, maybe, I guess I could go. And she was just singing her praises, saying how it really helped her. And like, she highly recommends it. And at this point, I think, it, and our insurance covered it. That's what got me. It was like, oh, we have insurance. It will cost you $15. 
So I, and she had a therapist for me to go to. So she made it very easy, gave me the phone number. And I said, all right, fine. I, I made my appointment, I think probably two months after she gave me the information because I'm me. I had to <laughs> mull it over for a little bit. Uh, and then the appointment was two weeks after that. And I'm like, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to need her by then. I'll probably be over it, right? Because I think anyone who experiences you know, emotional turmoil, if you will, it's, it, it does come in highs and lows, even though it's consistent. So it's like when you're really feeling something, you're you're like, okay, maybe I do need help. But then a day or two later, you're like, man, I was really bad the other day, but I'm feeling okay now. But then inevitably that high comes again. So, and it just so happened that I think by the time my appointment came, I needed to go again. <laughs> I needed to go again. So I went and therapy is a godsend, truly. I, I think that people don't understand what it is. They think it's like somebody's going to tell me what to do with my life. Somebody's going to tell me I have problems that can't be fixed. Most problems are fixable. I would say the majority of problems. I won't say all because I don't know everything always, but most things can be worked on. I think the source of a lot of my emotional drama was coping with my parents' um, separation and divorce and my brother's extracurricular activities. And I think that because for me, I found out that I thought anger was weakness. I was not expressing anger. I went through my whole life until what I was, I think, 22, not expressing anger. And she asked me, she said, how do you feel about anger? And I said, well, I think it's a weakness. I thought it was a weakness to express anger. Because when people are quick to anger, I think, well, that's dumb. You're not in control of your emotions. Again, not smart. So I, I had gone a very long time suppressing anger. And then the other thing that I discovered is that I felt like I had no more foundation. I thought, you know, because my parents weren't together anymore, I'd had no more home base. And if you don't have somewhere you where you can plug into and connect to and then go out into the world and then plug in and then go out into the world, what do you have? You know, you're just kind of floating. And again, it was at a really hard time because you're 22 years old, which, yes, you're grown, but you're confused. You're so confused. Very confused. You're so confused. But I got help for it. I got help for it all. I think it took me five sessions to work through this wave. Five sessions. And I felt so much lighter. I began to feel like I had tools to deal with the things that I was feeling. I allowed myself to be angry. And I remember one day... She asked me, how, how do you feel about this? And I said, it makes me angry. And she said, what about this? It makes me angry. I was angry about so much. I was so angry. And it felt wonderful to release it. And I've gone back and forth to therapy throughout the years. And it has been wonderful. Later, I think I was probably more in my mid-20s when this happened, I went to a psychologist. And this is because I was noticing at work that I wasn't getting things done, another job. And I couldn't figure out why. Because I would set out, it would be morning time, you know, morning walking the dog. 
all right, today I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And I would get through the entire day and not do one of those things. And I couldn't figure out why. I mean, and then a whole week would go by like this. So I said, you know, I think I need to get tested for ADHD. And that's something that I thought, I, I had a suspicion that that could have been an issue for a long time. Suspicion? If anybody knew you, hell, they knew that wasn't no suspension. I was going to say everybody <laughs> knew but me. Apparently. Well, I, I think I knew too, but I was just kind of like, well, I don't have a formal diagnosis. And everybody says they have ADHD. Like, oh, I'm so ADHD right now. Or, oh, I'm so ADD. People say that all the time. Yes. Just like we joke and say you're OCD, which we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We should not joke with mental conditions or mental health issues. We really shouldn't. But I went to the the doctor or the psychologist, and I said, you know, psychiatrist, sorry. And she, she <laughs> did an evaluation. She's like, you have ADHD, like definitely. But also, I'm looking at my paperwork, and I had described the, the time to her that I was just discussing about the, the depression after after college, really, and when the divorce and all that, during that time. And on the paper, it says, major depressive episode. Major <laughs> depressive episode. When I tell you that I didn't know, that was also kind of a breath of fresh air, because I could have cried, one, from the ADHD uh, diagnosis and from the major depressive episode diagnosis because it, it solidified that I'm not crazy and that I really was feeling these things and that these things that I was feeling were as difficult as I thought they were because I think we have this, uh, not just in black culture, but just kind of when it comes to mental health disorders, put a Band-Aid on it. You're good. Move on. Other people have it hard too. You're fine. Keep fighting the good fight. You know, don't let them get you down. It's kind of all it is. And I think that I had worked so hard to get out of that space. And I got no trophy or anything when I got out of it. And not that I needed one, but I felt immensely proud for getting out of that space. And then I was like, did I make it all up? Maybe, maybe I was just you know, young and dumb and not used to life. And, and maybe that was, I was overreacting. Maybe I was being dramatic. So when I saw on the paper, major depressive episode, it was validating in that I had a ma major mental health issue. And then I took the steps to, to rectify it. I don't know. It was, it was very rewarding. What was the, the trigger or the point where I decided that I'm going to call a therapist. I mean, you said your friend teed it up, gave you a number, had a person you could call, but you said you didn't make the appointment until two months later. So what was the, the final moment aside from your rib popping out and, and losing your mind? And for me being the, I was her boyfriend at the time, I didn't, again, just you like I didn't know how to, just like I didn't know how to react to Joy having a panic attack, I didn't know what to call depression because yeah. I was like, you're just, I was like, you are, she was so down in the dumps and when you're not used to being that person, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm not equipped. And I would argue that I'm still not equipped. And I would say probably most people aren't equipped on how to deal with someone unless you're professionally trained on how to deal with someone who suffers from anxiety, depression, or any other mental condition. So being the, the, the supporter in this relationship, I was like, I don't know what you do. And I just, I just told her when she was telling me about, you know, I would stare off the roof and think about jumping off. <laughs> like, and I was like, it is not that. You're making $10 an hour at this job. Like, you can't. I said, this is ridiculous. And I, and I remember I set her down and I said, you have to get out of this job. I said, you don't have a choice. I said, I will go yeah. to the job and act an ass or they will fire you. <laughs> 
on my behalf. Right. Like it was no longer an option because like you're just not even pleasant to be around anymore. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, she did walk away from that job and that did release some of of that emotional anxiety that was was creeping in, but also to the professional help that you sought. But back to my original question, what was the the moment that you said, okay, I need to pick up this phone and call? I think just realizing that it wasn't going away because you go through a phase of denial. Like I said earlier about the peaks and the valleys, you think, oh, this is going to get, oh, I'm getting better. I'm better now. I don't need help. I'm okay. I got over it. And then it comes back and you realize, okay, I'm not okay. And then when you're, and then when every time it comes back, it's a little stronger than it was the last time it was bad. And I think that's kind of what finally convinced me to deal with it or attempt to, because I didn't know if it was going to work, you know? And also I think that you think your problems aren't that bad. I don't need therapy. I can deal with this on my own. I think those are all things that I was thinking. So that's kind of what took me a long time. And I, my friend was very, like I am now, pro mental health, didn't like the stigma of people shaming people for needing mental health help. And now I'm just... I'm all for it. I am all for it. So that, yeah, that's that's what happened. And I mean, too, I was going home, sitting in the dark and drinking a bottle of wine, like <laughs> straight up. And I lived alone at the time. And I, I hate that I had to have a mental health crisis during the time where I lived on my own because it could have been so beautiful. And the parts of it were because when you're depressed, not all of your life is depression. Like, yeah, you are depressed, but you have you do have good moments still. Like you're still capable of feeling joy while being depressed. I think that's another thing that I want to, I mean, you might not feel it, feel it at its full capacity and it might not last as long, but it's, you have moments, Uh, but it's no way to live. It's no way to live. Another thing I want to discuss is identifying your trigger. So for me, I identified a trigger to be alcohol. I can't have a lot of alcohol. I just, I can't. It's fun, you know. Everybody wants to go and party on the weekends, have a good time. It cost me more than it costs most people. And have you ever heard that saying, being when you dr- being drunk is borrowing happiness from tomorrow? No, I have not yeah, heard that. So like, yeah, I think that saying applies to me. It just, it borrows happiness from tomorrow. I don't have that. My happiness is divided evenly. <laughs> I can't borrow. So that doesn't mean I can't have a glass of wine at dinner or even every once in a while if you're at a party. It just means that I can't consistently be drinking and definitely should not just be getting drunk. And I think that's okay. I'm happy that I identified that. Cool. Another thing that I identified is not exercising. If I'm not active, I need those endorphins. I need those happy endorphins. If I'm not active, down in the dumps. Caffeine. This was a weird one. So coffee, less about uh, depression, more about anxiety. I get very anxious if I've had coffee. I can do coffee every once in a while. Same thing, like, you know, if we have if we go out to breakfast every once in a while, I'm on a cup of joe. If I'm really, even if I'm really tired, I try to do like a black tea, you know, it's a stronger tea. But something about coffee, I get kind of uh, jittery and just, and I, the anxiety is just, it's, it's on fire. Because one, you're not really, I'm not anxious about anything, but I can feel it in my body that I am anxious, if that makes sense. The other thing that I'm learning is important is sleep. 
I really am trying to work on it. If if I'm not rested enough, I'm not myself. And to top it all off, diet. This is where I talk about my veganism, <laughs> which I won't bore you guys with with that. But I just it has severely changed my mental health. So earlier when I was t- telling you guys about depression and anxiety, feeling like a black fog. Always in your periphery, but sometimes it's the focal point. Now I don't even see it on my periphery. And I truly do believe that you are what you eat. And when you're eating all these animal products and the conditions in which the animals are held are, you know, devastating. These animals are spending their lives devastated, depressed, anxious, and then you eat their food. I do, I do believe in that energy transfer. So I'm happy to say that after identif- identifying my triggers and working with in therapy and just being cognizant of how I'm treating myself and checking in with myself, say, hey, how does that make you feel? And sometimes I can't participate in things. Sometimes I have to, if somebody's having a party and I'm feeling like a little depleted, I have to say, I'm not going to go to that. I'm going to actually just stay in, take care of myself, recharge, and then I can participate and be my best self for the next event. And and it takes it takes a lot of work to get to that place. It takes a lot of work to get to that place. But you can do it. I, I have faith in everybody. So along your six-year journey, you said you started seeing a therapist at 22? Mm-hmm. So now here you are at 28 years old. Along your six-year journey, mm-hmm. how would you say that your anxiety and depression currently sits or how is it impacting your life currently and how much better has it improved or has it not improved? Do you just find ways to mask it? I think my immediate, my immediate reaction still is to mask. Don't show anybody you're struggling. That's still something that I'm working on. I try to be more open, but also no one wants to deal with it. That's the truth. Uh, and uh, Again, that's why I wanted to talk about it because no one, when you tell somebody I'm depressed, if you ask somebody, how are you? And they say, I'm depressed. What do you do with that? You're not equipped with those tools. You don't know what to do. You sit there. Right. So it's like for the sake of other people being comfortable, I still mask when I'm feeling a certain way. So it may look like I'm just being a jerk and not coming to something or I'm not you know, calling and checking in or whatever. It it just might look like I'm being a jerk, but really I'm just taking care of myself. And I think everyone requires a different amount of care. My, I require quite a bit. I I require quite a bit, but it is, it's work that I can do. Uh, Again, for me, it's more about identifying your triggers and staying away from them. So recently I did a bad thing. I had a crazy weekend. We had no sleep. We drank I had caffeine. I what was the other thing? We didn't work out. I mean, and we pigged out not on non-vegan food, but just it was just a severely bad idea and I paid for it the entire week. The entire week was bad. I I struggled. I I had the kind of days where I just had to get through them because I I didn't take care of myself. I didn't take care of myself and I still had to take care of my responsibilities, but that was all I could do. I could only do the things I was responsible responsible for. I didn't have time for any fun or any extra, nothing. I would just had to basically work and then come home and just try to recharge. And that that was it. 
And that was a result of me being naughty. And that's the first time I've done that in a long time. I think it's important to understand that a person struggling looks a lot like a person living the regular life. (laughs) It really, really does. And for me, it looks that way too. Unless I tell you, you probably won't know. Justin, you would know. You would know. And I do try to tell you. Do you feel like I'm pretty... No, I don't necessarily, still, because I don't, I don't suffer with it, it's hard to say, oh, exactly this is what you're feeling. You'll come home, or in a few days, you'll just be in a mood, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And then you'll go soak for an hour, and then at that point, I'm like, okay, I can probably piece this together. But yeah. when you feel it, I don't have an immediate sense, like, this is exactly how Joy's feeling. Mm-hmm. I just, because again, I, I don't suffer with it. Yeah, that's me self-medicating in a good way, right? (laughs) Like doing the things you need to do. Like I'm going to go for a long run now or I'm going to soak. Soaking in Epsom salt and lavender and eucalyptus essential oils, go for it. It's the best thing. Not too many drops because you will get a chemical burn. (laughs) (laughs) I've done that before. I was like, oh, okay. And you can kind of feel it prickling too and you think, oh, they're just doing their job. Nope, get out the water. (laughs) You've done too much. I just wanted to sit down and talk about mental health for a little bit because if you or a family member or someone you know and love is struggling with a mental health illness or condition, I want you to know you're not alone. This is something that quote-unquote regular people deal with all the time and you never know what's going on in other people's homes. And I found that the more open I am about my mental health, the the more I connect with people who have had very similar experiences and don't talk about it. And sometimes I get this like, oh my God, you've had that too or you've experienced this too because it can be very isolating, very isolating. And sometimes, you know, it can feel like the person you confide in, like Justin who hasn't personally experienced it, doesn't know what to do with it. And then you're left feeling like, okay, maybe I do need to shut up about this. Maybe this isn't something that a lot of people experience. And it is, it's one one in five adults experience a mental health condition every year. And one in 17 have a serious mental condition as such as schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. So it's just, I, it's pretty prevalent. One in five, that means if you're at a party with 25 people, five people there. Yeah. You know, that's, it's a pretty good number. So, uh, I mean, it's not a good number. It would be great if we were all just mentally healthy. <laughs> That's what I was, wanted to say, too. And also, if you need medicine, there's no shame in that. I, I've found ways to deal with my ailments, if you will, naturally. and Because that, that's who, who I am. That is who... I and, and how I've been able to triumph, but some people need a little bit more assistance, and I want to say that there's no shame in that. If you have severe anxiety or severe depression or, of course, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, take medicine. That's okay. There's no shame. You're not a crazy person. There's there's nothing wrong with you needing additional assistance. It's, if you have... Any other medical condition, nobody's going to tell you not to take medicine. Well, they might. Some people some people are like, never take medicine ever. Definitely. But then they like die at 37. So it's like, don't listen to those people. Do what you got to do for you. And, you know, just take care of yourself. Be aware of your issues. Get as much help as you can. And then take care of yourself on top of it. And being the, the partner of it all is just trying to, find a way to to help without overstepping or criticizing. And that's where I've 
found myself now is I just kind of sit and don't ask and I don't say, but I just be yeah. uh, because I think it's easy for someone who doesn't deal with the problem to go in and say like, you can easily get a, overcome this, just do X, Y, and Z and you can feel better. And you can get frustrated when you don't see the other person responding to what you believe is very easy to come out of. And that's what I did when we were younger. And, and now then we're going on 10 years being together and seeing Joy battle this for the past six years. I've just learned to just be. And yeah. if that's, if Joy brings me in, I'll engage in the conversation. If she doesn't bring me in, I really don't say much. And again, if I feel like there's something that can really be done to change that Joy's ignoring, at that point, I will put out my suggestion. But as far, from, as, far as that, I think it's one of those where you need to just be as encouraging as possible. And for those who are going through it or dealing with something is seeking professional help. I want to say, too, you went, when you were unemployed, I think you got a pretty good taste of it. Yeah, I, I I still wouldn't call it that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not right. I'm not running from the word depression. Right. I was completely lost because I was like, what is my sense of purpose? Right. And I was going nuts because I couldn't figure my way out. Right. But and in that case, you had a definitive cause. Like correct. you knew exactly what I was knew exactly wrong. what what the yeah. cause was. So that's where I say it's it's a little different, and it wasn't like this feeling where my emotional state was withering and. Like I just felt like, whoa, is it? I, I didn't have that same feeling. So listening to you express it on this platform was not what I was feeling. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's, from your end, it sounds a little more abstract. And it's a compilation of many of things where mine was, all right, well, I'm <laughs> losing my mind because I'm not working. Right. And I'm being denied right. for jobs that I'm more than qualified to do. Right. So it was, it was, it was different in that, in that sense. But I, 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 I get what you're saying because I, I see... I see you trying to equate it, but I still think it's different. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, on some level, you can relate to that feeling of hopelessness. Correct. Or, but you weren't in emotional pain. For sure. Yeah. And then the, also I wanted to discuss when you – I don't know if you remember my last bout of – and I was going down the rabbit hole quick. You Remember you said, I didn't know this is what I signed up for. Yes. Well, you want to walk us through that real quick? What were you... Well, I mean, it's tough. I mean, when you're sitting to... It's naive to say that you're not going to be negatively impacted by the stimuli that you encounter on a daily basis. Right. You, you can't. If you're around 100% positive people all the time and you're a negative Nancy, at some point you're going to be positive. It's not possible. Right. Or to be make a, all the other people negative. Exactly. Or, or yeah. vice versa. It's not, it's not possible to just remain the same when you're being bombarded with stimuli. And when we got married, you know, I knew Joy was dealing with these, you know, with, with depression and with anxiety. But I didn't, I wasn't ready for the negative effect that it was going to have on my mm-hmm. well being. I was like, I'm coming home. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be home. Like, Joy's in a mood. My dogs are bothering <laughs> me. My house is a mess. Mm-hmm. So you compound those three things. It's like, I'm, I'm grossly irritated. And it's like, I didn't know how to function. I, and I, and it's, and it's not enjoyable. And I don't, and I don't want to sound insensitive when I say that, but it's thoroughly not a pleasant place to live in when you are in, in, in an environment with someone who is dealing with, you know, who's dealing with anxiety and dealing with depression and you don't have the skills to engage or defuse or to help. And now it's gotten a little bit better because I recognize it as, as, as what it is. And again, we'll, we'll pull back as needed and we'll engage as much as needed 
two, but it, it's still a, a, a challenge. And I and I will say this honestly: I, I didn't sign up for this. I, I didn't. I didn't come in. Actually, I don't. I don't want to say that. But I, I didn't know I was signing up for this. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't know, I'm now working to learn how to live with someone who is dealing with a consistent mental health I would say prone to. I think that mine is trigger-based. I used to think that I had a chronic condition because it was not going away. But now that I think that I've identified at least the triggers that I'm aware of, I I don't feel like any stone has been left unturned. Uh, we'll see if I'm right. <laughs> I hope I am. I think that now I can pretty much manage it. I, I don't think that it... I won't say it'll never be a problem. I do know that I'm prone to it, and I think that's part of the battle too. And also each battle that you have with a mental health condition, I will say the pull is stronger, right? The the pull to pull you into the dark hole is stronger but also you're stronger. I have, you know, I have a rope now and I'm hanging from something that, what's that little spike called? So I have tools to not get pulled down into this hole. So yes, while the hole is deeper and the pool is stronger, I'm more equipped to not fall in. Thank you so much to listening to me tell my story. I know that it's a little bit all over the place. And that's the truth is that I feel all over the place about it. You know, it's not this very clear story, but I am more than happy, as I said before, to talk about this with anyone and everyone at any point in time. If you just need someone to listen to your story or support, or you want to know what's work really worked for me, how I went about identifying my triggers and how I've pulled myself out of the hole, how I felt, how I've found help for others to help pull me out of the hole. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to share all those things. So please feel free to reach out at any time. And thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and share it with your friends. And as always, let's keep the conversation going online. You can head over to our website, lovejays.com, and you will see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday.